0: You're listening to the Metro L.A. Podcast, an official podcast of the L.A. International Church of Christ. Good morning, sisters. Happy Friday. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, you know, it's been really exciting these past couple of weeks seeing God move so powerfully as we've been focusing on strengthening our faith, you know, really um, trying to grow in our one another relationships and really loving one another. Um, the past couple of weeks we've been able to witness baptisms, you know, and, it, and God never ceases to amaze me just hearing the stories of how God has been working through disciples to be able to reach out to family members, co-workers, friends, and you just see the power of the Word of God, you know, really changing people's lives once they really fall in love with Jesus. And as you know, we are in a spiritual battle, so, The moment we decide we're going to be intentional and fix our eyes on Jesus and we're growing in our faith and love for one another, you know that Satan will take notice and Satan is mad. So I don't know if you guys have been feeling the spiritual battle, but it is real, you know? Um, so while there's great things happening, we can also feel the struggle of just needing to continue to stretch and grow in our faith because we can be faced with new challenges faced with unknown situations, um, you know, Satan can attack our faith in different ways. And I really appreciate uh, Robert Carrillo's series, Morning Devotionals, in the book of Hebrews, because, you know, that main message is about, you know, really a call to not shrink back in our faith and to imitate the faith of the heroes in Hebrews chapter 11. So I'm really excited this morning to be able to share with you just a few thoughts from the book of Esther, um, Esther is a young woman who left a legacy of faith that has lasted for generations. You know, her one act of faith, courageous faith, saved her whole nation. So, before we start, please join with me in saying a prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much just for another day to be in your kingdom, God. Another day to be able to proclaim you as Lord of our lives. Um, God, we just come before you humbled and um, just grateful for your love and your mercies. Um, God, I pray a special prayer for Michelle Carrillo and her dad, Mike. I pray that you would bless um, their time together during this fragile time. Please watch over them comfort them um, during this challenging time, God. Um, we pray, God, for peace, especially for our country during this time. But more importantly, God, I pray for peace and uh, pray that you would pour your love into our own hearts. And I pray that today, through our Bible study, that we can gain strength and encouragement from your word as we learn from Esther. So please bless our time together. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so in the book of Esther, you know, I know that we've heard the story told before, but it's so good just to be able to go back and just dig into the scriptures because I bet it will speak to you differently each time. So just to give you some context, um, you know, the setting of this, this is after the Israelites have been in 70 years of captivity under the Babylonian rule and um, King Cyrus has made the decree for the Jewish people to be able to go back, to return to their land, um, to be able to rebuild the temple. Um, unfortunately, not everybody went. Only about less than 60,000 people uh, went back to rebuild God's temple. But really, there was a huge amount, like 2 million people, that did not go back and instead decided to stay in the land of Persia, And so you see God's people now really drifting from their relationship with God, forgetting about the law and God's commandments, forgetting about how to live in relationship with God. And so interesting that Esther is the only book in the Bible in which the name of God is not mentioned. Prayer, the law, or um, sacrifices are also not referred to. And yet you can clearly see the effects of God's power and grace. You see God's gracious faithfulness to his people, even though they had lost faith and stopped trusting in him. And even even in the seemingly hopeless situation where the Jews were facing destruction because of evil Haman and his decree, but even in the midst of that, God was raising up a mighty hero in Esther to save and inspire his people. So basically in chapter one, just for time's sake, I'm not going to be able to read it, but you can read that on your own. But it basically explains how King Xerxes basically deposes his queen, Queen Vashti, because she refused to come to him when he summoned her. And so chapter two starts off by them trying to... Um, you know, bring all the beautiful girls um, that they could find into his harem. They would receive all this royal beauty treatment. And whoever found favor among the king that she would be the next queen. And so I want to start here in Esther 2, starting in verse 5, 5 through 11. It says, Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This girl, who was also known as Esther, was lovely in form and features, and Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. Um, when the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many girls were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Hegai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Hegai, who had charge of the harem. The girl pleased him and won his favor. Immediately, he provided her with her beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven maids selected from the king's palace and moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. So my first point here is that God's plan is perfect and nothing less. See, Esther faced challenges. Very young, at an early age, she had lost her mother and father. She was orphaned, living among these exiled Jews who had forgotten about God, living in a time where women were not respected. As you can see, they had very little rights, if any. Yet, God was there for Esther. God made sure that she was taken care of. She was adopted by Mordecai, who despite what all the other Jews were doing, you see that he was a man of integrity and conviction. Um, as you read in chapter three, you see that Mordecai was the one who would not compromise and would not bow down to the evil official Haman. So you see in verse 17... Let's read on in chapter two, verse 17. It says, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. So what's amazing Right? Is that God placed Esther on the throne as queen even before the Jews faced the, the possibility of being wiped out. You know, before Haman had created the decree to kill Mordecai as well as all the Jews. So, you really see God, God's sovereignty. That God was in control, that God was looking out, preparing Esther all along, you know, and I'm sure in the midst of it, she probably struggled with fears or wondering why, you know, she had to go through that kind of suffering of losing both her mom and dad. Um, And yet God was working all behind the scenes. God was working to make sure that someone would be in place when his people needed help. And God even had Mordecai, save the Persian king's life by undercovering a conspiracy against the king. And this happened months before Haman's decree. So the point here is that God had a specific, unique calling for Esther, just as he has a unique, specific calling for you and for I. Esther's life was unique and unrepeatable, just as your life is unique and unrepeatable. We have to remember, sisters, that there's only one you that God has created with a distinct combination of your gifts, your talents, the education you've had, the training, um, even the painful experiences that you've gone through, your personality, your temperament. You were born at a particular moment in time in a specific part of the world. Like God is very specific. He makes no mistake. And we have to remember that, that God has created a personal destiny for you and it takes great faithfulness and great intentionality to be able to really live out the destiny that God has chosen for us. Sisters, we need to stop trying to live someone else's life and listen to God's voice for his calling for you. You know, I know that um, some of you are facing very, challenging trials right now, you know, whether it's your children going through a difficult time with school or friends, uh, maybe you're just really hitting a rough patch in your marriage. You know, I know Reese and I've had bouts of that, you know, where we didn't realize we were drifting and just had fallen out of love and it's so challenging. It just makes life almost unbearable or maybe you're really stressed out because of financial hardships or, or uh, physical health challenges. You know, in all of that, sisters, remember that God still has a plan. His perfect plan has not changed and is not any less because of how we feel. And sometimes suffering is part of that plan to deepen our faith. And I love that with God, everything that we go through, the good, the bad, the ugly, our mistakes, even the painful times, can all be used for his glory. We just need to continue to trust in him and listen to him. And this is something that I've just been trying to be more mindful of. Um, I mean thankfully in these quarantine times obviously there's not much else to do. I mean there's, you know, we've been gifted more time to be able to spend time with God. And so um, you know it's just been good to be almost forced to be still because I know left to myself before I would just be too busy hurrying around with my own plans my own agenda what I thought others had expected of me but now you know I have more time to go on prayer walks to be able to ask God God what is it that you want me to do how do you want me to spend my time today who do you want me to encourage today don't underestimate the impact that you can make you are leaving a great legacy by being who God created you to be. But it takes courage to be able to embrace that destiny. You know, it's, it's easier, definitely easier said than done. You know, it's I definitely can feel the pull to want to imitate what everyone else is doing you know and you go through your instagram feed and you see how you know other people are designing their office at home or their kids have their perfect desk and i'm thinking oh i should be doing that you know but as if you know my house it's not like that (laughs) it's definitely a work in progress um but it takes courage you know we to embrace our personal destiny that god has chosen for us and how do we do that um, well, we can learn from Esther. We're going to jump to chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. And let's see. We will start in um, basically, you know, when Mordecai chapter 3 is when Haman sends out a decree to destroy all of the Jews. In chapter 4, in the beginning, Mordecai, you know, realizes he hears what what's going to happen and he's just... Wailing bitterly, put on sackcloth and ashes and just crying out for help, crying out to God. Um, And so Esther tells her uh, attendant, Hathak, to go and see Mordecai and see what's happening. And so Mordecai tells him, tell Esther this is what's going to happen. Verse 9, we'll pick up here. Four, Verse 9, it says, Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. Verse 12. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Wow. My second point is risk it all and God will bless. Risk it out and God will bless. I love seeing Esther's courage. I mean, yes, she was courageous. That doesn't mean she wasn't afraid. You know, she worked past her fears. She was in a situation far beyond her abilities. I mean, I can't even imagine just how overwhelming. You know, to hear what is happening, um, to hear the challenge from Mordecai. Mordecai is telling her, "Look, you need to go." And talk to the king and tell him and ask him to stop this. But she was afraid because she knew that the king's law was that anyone, if you approach the king without before being summoned, that you could be killed. And so she was really between a rock and a hard place. Um, but she was humble. You know, she was obedient. And, um, you know, she, I just love how she was humble enough to even ask for help right, that she um, asked Mordecai to gather all of the Jews to fast for her, and that she was really radical about this. And, you know, that, that's a side point about just how even in our own walks with God, that we were never meant to walk it alone, that we do need each other, that we are better together to be able to encourage each other and to be able to help us to overcome fears. You know, I really believe Satan knows that fear is what can paralyze us, that our fears can impact our relationship with God, our relationship with each other in such negative ways, which is why he will use any situation to strike fear in our hearts. Um, I'm so grateful for this book, you know, that the Kareos had recommended at the beginning of the year, So Care. And I just recently was able to go through it. Um, in kind of a small group d group book club setting with some sisters because i just know i wouldn't have been able to finish it by myself but it helps to be able to have a small group to go through it with and um, i'm so grateful you know there's this whole chapter you know one of the soul care principles is overcoming fear and um, you know it's the whole idea that to take care of our souls we need to identify and address the fears that we have. See, uh, fear can be shown or manifest in so many different ways. You know, it can be manifested in anger. Um, I know for me, I can become controlling or, or demanding. I can become edgy. Um, some of us, we can be really insecure or be more withdrawn because of fear. Um, but I know I've learned That for me, my root fear is that my fear is that I am not enough, you know, that um, from growing up, I just always felt like I wasn't sure if I would be loved just for who I am. I felt like I needed to like be good or perform or get good grades or do something in order to be loved. So my root fear is that I am not enough. I have this fear of inadequacy or insignificance. Fear that I won't matter to Reese or the kids. And, you know, you might be thinking, that's so crazy, but it's real. I mean, that's just, you know, the truth of it. Um, I can have much anxiety about possible disapproval of others, uh, which is why possible, even just the thought of possible conflict or the thought about Someone not being pleased with me can just really make me super insecure and make me focus on pleasing people instead of pleasing God. And obviously this affects, negatively affects my relationship with God because I miss out on the peace and the joy of just being intimate and close with God um, because I'm relying on myself. So a couple of scriptures that I wanted to share, um, you can jot this down, Isaiah 43 in verses one and two. It says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. You know, it's like that is probably one of the most uh, repeated phrases in the Bible. Do not, be, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I am with you. That like God wants to know he is for us. He is with us and that he loves us. That's Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. Um, Also, Hebrews 13.5, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, I will never leave you, I will never abandon you. Or another translation, says, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, it says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Did you catch that? God is going ahead of you, no matter what you're going through right now that it might just seem like there doesn't seem to be much good going on right now except my own pain or my own frustration. But don't worry. God is going ahead of you, paving the way. And just continue to go towards. Don't run away from your fears. Go towards them. Surrender your fears to God, and He will give you courage. You know, what a blessing it is that we have each other, you know, just as um, Esther had Mordecai in her life to give her courage. It's a blessing that we can have partners in the faith where we can pray for each other. We can pray with each other. We can encourage each other to embrace God's calling. You know, I think about Esther and how easy it would have been for her to get paralyzed in fear. You know, look at all the other women who were just waiting to be caught. Like they weren't gonna step out and do something against the king. I mean, they were being treated really well. You know, they had all these beauty treatments. They were comfortable. It would have been easy for her to want to stay in comfort like all the rest of them. Cause she was being, she was risking being killed by going out and just speaking to the king, approaching him. But she risked it all. And I think that she saw And I think she was able to do that because she saw that taking care of God's people was more important than taking care of her own life. You know, that she did it out of love and care for God's people, that she pulled out all the stops. She wasn't going to look back. She's just, I just love that. She just said, pray for me. I'm going to do this. If I perish, I perish. You know, that she was going to step out on faith on behalf of her people And because of that, you know, later on, you read how she won over the king's favor. I mean, he, when he found out what Haman did, he, in fact, ordered Haman to be killed, you know, um, and um, reversed the decree to be able to save all of the Jews. And um, she left a legacy that is celebrated today, even among the Jews. You know, they call it the Feast of Purim. To be able to remember, you know Esther's faith and what, what, how God had worked through her to save His people, um, you know. And personally, um, I just been thinking about how, just how grateful I am for God's grace in helping me to make the decision for Reese and I to decide to uproot our family eight years ago and move from Hawaii to L.A. I can't believe it's eight years. Um, You know, it was a very difficult decision. But ultimately, I knew that I needed to do something radical because my faith was shot. I knew I was distant in my marriage. I was just bitter and discontent. Um, I was super unhappy. And I probably would have been stuck in there, except for the fact that I thought about my children and my family, and I thought, I can't, I can't just quit, you know, what am I going to pass on? I need to do something for my faith so that I have something to pass on to my children. But of course, the fears came in, you know, I mean, I just thought, you know, my Children at the time, Kali was in fifth grade, Nani would be third grade, and Koo was just four, like in pre-K. And um, I thought, gosh, what if I'm just traumatizing them by uprooting them from their family and friends, moving to a place they really don't know anyone? Um, Would they make friends, you know? Um. I know my family, you know, our family thought that we were crazy because we were pulling um, Kala'i out of a very prestigious private school in Oahu. And um, it was difficult to get in. And so the fact that we were leaving, I mean, even when we moved here, people were like, why would you move Hawaii? Like, we're trying to get there. But I knew that, you know, I, I could hold on to the comfort and these things of the world, but it wouldn't mean anything if I lost my relationship with God, if I lost my marriage, and I'm so grateful that God put mentors in my life to encourage me to make this decision. I mean, I'm not saying that I was all courageous. I'm just saying that I'm grateful by God's grace that I was able to be able to do that. Because now I look back and, you know, I can't believe all the ways that he has blessed my life. Um, you know, just the reason I've been able to grow deeper in our marriage, that I really feel like we are in love and that he's my best friend and my soulmate and that we can, you know, work in the ministry together. Um, sorry. Um, you know, the blessings of my children, being able to grow in their faith, um, being able to experience a totally different culture than in Hawaii. Um, I think about my new friendships that I've been able to build here, um, just deep lasting friendships. Um, sisters who have helped me to you know be myself and start living my authentic life and I'm just so grateful so I just want to say thank you to you know all of you for your prayers and those of you who have helped Reese and I in our marriage i so grateful for that but I think about that like what if I just stayed paralyzed in fear I would have missed out on all of that And so even now, you know, during these times, I think, gosh, what is God calling me to do? What is God calling you to do? You know, that you can step out in faith. It's going to be scary as heck, but we can risk it all and God will bless. What is stopping you from responding to God's calling for you? Is it fear of what your family would think or what your friends would think? Is it fear of failing or being criticized? Um, You know, maybe you're being called to reach out to your coworkers or, you know, your siblings, your family members. Maybe you're being called to uh, resolve or reconcile a past hurt. Um, That can be scary. You know, for those students, those of you in students, you know, maybe you're being called to just stand up to do what is right. Stand up for what is right. Stand up and be honest and true. And, um, you know, the point here is that we... We all have fears, definitely, you know? Um, in fact, if we're really living out God's life, you know, God's calling for us, it will be scary. But the point is that we can surrender our fears, admit our fears, but surrender them to God and step out in faith. And um, at our recent leaders meeting, you know, Robert was asking us, all the leaders, you know, what are some of our dreams for our Metro LA church? And um, challenge us to dream big. And it was so exciting to hear different brothers and sisters um, just sharing their their big dreams, you know, their impossible dreams. And it really challenged me. And I feel like that. I feel like you know, going through the hard times, sometimes I can just be like in this mentality of holding on. But I want to step out in faith and start dreaming big. You know, I would love to see. I've just been walking around my neighborhood and just dreaming to see a Bible talk in each neighborhood. You know, where we can um, just be able to get back, of course, once quarantine is lifted, that we'll be able to just walk to Bible Talk um, in our neighborhood. I would love to see our church be able to build a school. Um, You know, we, uh, some of uh, the moms, we were talking about back to school night because we had that this past week and we thought, wow, wouldn't it be so cool if um, disciples were the teachers, you know, and we had our own school that was known for love and compassion and care for the students. We're able to instill a love for God in our children at an early age. And those back to school nights would be way more exciting with fun, worship, and prayer. It'd be so amazing. So, um, you know, I need to wrap up here for time's sake. But, um, you know, just in summary, I just want to remind you, the first point is God's plan is perfect and nothing less. And this includes A specific, unique destiny and calling for you that only you can embrace. And number two, risk it all and God will bless. So sisters, let's get ready to be used by God in incredible ways, in scary ways, but that we could imitate Esther's faith and step out and be courageous and uh, really be able to embrace our unique calling for such a time as this. Sisters, thank you so much for tuning in. I love you. I hope that this message encourages you in some way or that you could pass it on to encourage someone else. But I love you. Thank you. Be safe. Take care. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.